0: Oh my God.
1: You're listening to Renegade Talk Radio.
2: AP, CNN, The New York Times, and Reuters had journalists embedded with Hamas during the October 7th massacre.
3: A Reuters journalist photographed a lynch mob brutalizing an Israeli soldier. So grotesque, we actually can't, couldn't show it to you there. And here, you can see two photographers snapping photos of terrorists As they're kidnapping a woman there that was on that motorcycle.
2: These are not journalists. They are intelligence operatives.
1: Do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to a major circulation American journal? We do have people who submit pieces to, other, to American journals. Do you have any people paid by the CIA who are working for television
4: networks?
5: This, I think, gets into the kind of uh, getting into the details, Mr. Chairman, that I'd like to get into in executive session.
1: Do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to the national
5: news services, AP and UPI? Well, again, I think we're getting into the kind of detail, Mr. Chairman, that I'd prefer to handle in executive session.
2: These hearings are from 1975. CIA control of the media has been going on for quite some time now. The CIA has been exposed multiple times for creating terrorist groups, including Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda, who were used as an excuse for toppling governments in the Middle East. Israel and Mossad have been exposed for creating Hamas. In 2015, former Israeli diplomat Avi Primor admitted it on television. If you look at the history, you'll
6: find
7: out that Hamas was encouraged and really started by Israel because they wanted Hamas to counteract
2: Yasser Arafat. You could call it a false flag, the Hegelian dialectic, or problem-reaction-solution. But this is how wars are sold to the public, and it's been going on for all of recorded history, explained here by the late, great Bill Hicks.
4: We're like the bullies of the world, you know? We're like Jack Palance in the movie Shane, throwing the pistol at the sheepherder's feet. Pick it
8: up. I don't want to pick it up, mister. You'll shoot me. Pick up the gun. (laughs) I ain't looking for no trouble, mister.
4: Off, so I um, He had a gun.
2: <laughs> Reporting for Infowars. This is Greg Reese.
0: Wrong message. Visit InfoWars.com forward slash show today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video.
8: ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The American Journal. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. We are going to be covering the news for the first couple of hours and taking calls in the final hour this morning. We've got new reports on Infowars.com of a desperate Zelensky. Ukraine is hoping for a Trump-Zelensky call, according to the media. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is eager to negotiate with former U.S. President Donald Trump directly just in case the Republican frontrunner retakes the White House in 2024, an insider source in Kiev told Ukrainian outlet Strana on Sunday. I think it is a long shot to expect Zelensky to still be the president, prime minister, whatever, leader of Ukraine by the time the election is over in 2024, certainly by the time of the inauguration in January of 2025. I would be surprised if we see Zelensky still holding office 90 days from now, I think what we're probably going to see is a Valkyrie-esque coup, a military coup to unseat this leader of Ukraine. Because these generals, the leadership in Ukraine is now faced with making the decision either to follow orders from Zelensky, irrational orders, delusional orders, not to retreat, to do counteroffensives, to have this sort of military approach to continue this war against Russia. They're faced with that choice of following orders and simultaneously the other choice, of course, which is to not follow those orders and consequently save perhaps tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of additional Ukrainian lives. And once we reach a point in war, we've seen this throughout history, where the military leadership has to decide between following orders and saving men especially when the sacrifice of these men is totally unnecessary inconsequential and will not amount to a victory that's when we begin to see military coups happen that's when we begin to see generals other military leadership overthrow whoever is the leader of a nation at the time and frankly i think that we're arriving at a place where this is going to happen within the next 90 days or so we've seen that u.s support and The support of the West in large has been diverted away from Ukraine in light of this conflict between Israel and Palestine. And it just seems to me like we are not going to see Zelensky in office long enough to even be in power at the same time as the President Trump in 2025. So this desperate Ukrainian plea, this desperate attempt for Zelensky to rekindle or manifest another relationship with Trump seems another delusional act of Zelensky in the face of many recent delusional comments and acts. Let's go ahead and run clip 15 of a freshman U.S. senator from Ohio giving some of the most powerful speeches ever uttered on Capitol Hill regarding the Ukraine issue.
3: Many of my colleagues may forget that a matter of weeks ago, a matter of months ago, There were people in this chamber, there were people in the United States of America demanding that the state of Israel give money and weapons to the Ukrainians, money and weapons that the Israelis are now using this very moment to defend themselves. The idea that these policies are not in tension with one another, the idea that what happens in Russia and Ukraine is separate from what happens in Israel is not just obvious, it is common sense and it has been borne out by the reality of the last couple of weeks. Now, my colleagues would like to collapse these packages. Too many of my colleagues would like to collapse these packages because they would like to use Israel as a political fig leaf for the president's Ukraine policy. But the president's Ukraine policy, just like the Israeli policy, should be debated. We should talk about it. We should discuss it. We should separate the costs and benefits and analyze them as distinct policies because that is what the American people deserve of their legislature. Now, there are many questions we could ask about the Ukraine policy, many issues that have gone completely unanswered. Number one, what is our end goal in Ukraine? You hear commonly that the goal is to throw the Russians out of every ounce of Ukrainian territory. And yet, when you talk to the president's own administration in private, they admit that that is a strategic impossibility. Let me repeat that. No rational human being in the president's administration believes that it is possible to throw the Russians out of every inch of Ukrainian territory. So why is that the public justification offered by many advocates of indefinite, unlimited Ukrainian aid? Because this debate is fundamentally dishonest. We are not telling the American people the truth because we know that if we did tell them the truth, they would not support an indefinite flow of money to Ukraine. What are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? How long is this supposed to go on? How much money are we expected to spend? What is the strategic objective? What are we trying to do? Are we monitoring the fact that we have spent nearly $200 billion if the supplemental passage passes? $200 billion to one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Do we have proper assurances that all that money is being spent on the things that we say, say, tell ourselves that it's being spent on? The answer, of course, is no, because we have not had a real debate in this chamber. The American people, I think, should be ashamed of us for that fact. Let me offer just one, one final uh, observation here. You have heard in this chamber, you have heard even today... That the Ukraine policy was born of a spirit of bipartisan agreement. That we had this moment where Democrats and Republicans recognized that it was very, very important to help the, Rus- or help the Ukrainians push back against the Russian attack. And of course, we support and praise our Ukrainian friends. They've done a lot more than many people gave them credit for. But let's also be honest That for 30 years, Washington, D.C. has run on bipartisan foreign policy wisdom and it has run this country to the ground. With $1.7 trillion deficits, war after war after war, that has killed thousands of Americans, millions of other people, and has not led to the strategic strength of this country. It was great bipartisan agreement after September the 11th that threw Saddam out of Iraq. And of course, a lot of people celebrated it until we right now realize that Iraq is a client state of Iran. We empowered one of the worst regimes in the world with our bipartisan wisdom. Maybe what we should have is some bipartisan wisdom that the foreign policy of consensus of this country for the last three decades has been a disaster. It's been a disaster for this country. It's been a disaster for our dead Marines, Army soldiers, Navy sailors, and Air Force airmen. It has been a disaster for this country's finances, and it has been a disaster for the entire world. Let's have a real debate. We haven't had one in 30 years.
8: So we see there U.S. Senator J.D. Vance calling for separate consideration of Israel aid package. We see that the Ukraine conflict, that our foreign policy initiatives have demonstrated themselves to be absolutely foolish. And for the last three decades, like he said, I would even go back to say the last... 50 years, every foreign policy decision that our government has made, especially those that have had bipartisan support, have proven to be detrimental to the safety and security of the United States, and frankly, the safety and security of the entire global community. And it seems to me that what's really happening with our foreign policy is we have a Congress, we have a White House, regardless of whoever the president of the United States is, constantly under the influence of this unchecked fourth branch of government. That is to say, the intelligence community, the CIA and the FBI. And their influence has constantly been conducive to what they deem to be interests of U.S. national security, regardless of what the people of the United States think or what the people of the United States feel about any given issue. And all of the lies that have been told to our people, whether it's weapons of mass destruction whether it's atrocities in Syria or atrocities in Libya as an excuse to eradicate Gaddafi, all of those excuses told to the people are just designed to elicit an emotional response or to catalyze emotional manipulation that allows the people to support these initiatives that are actually done for other reasons. And we'll get more into that in the next segment and throughout the hour this morning. But before that, we're going to come on this break, and I want to talk to you a little bit about Ultra 12, which is 40% off at Infowars store. After being sold out for months, Ultra 12 is finally back in stock and being made available at an unprecedented discount of 40% off. Ultra 12 from InfoWars Life took the familiar secret 12 formula and singled out one powerful ingredient. Made with this ingredient, the most effective and expensive form of B12 is now available but at 40% off with twice the B12. Because B12 is a necessary nutrient that isn't found in any vegetables, it can be difficult to attain. So instead of getting painful B12 injections or taking weaker formulas, you can support your energy production with the superior form of B12. With just a single ingredient, Ultra 12 can help you support healthy nerve and brain cells, make DNA, help the body produce energy, help produce healthy blood cells, and it's essential for proper nervous system function. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com today. Get Ultra 12 back in stock. Experience the power of B12 and be the reason we're still on the air.
7: Today at Infowarstore.com, either signed as a fundraiser, and I thank you for the support, or unsigned. But whatever you do, take action now. We're fighting for you, but we can't keep on if you don't support us. So please get the historic book now. Go now to Infowarstore.com and get The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening at Infowarstore. Please uh, remember, we your listeners supported, and we've got something back in stock that everybody needs. That is so good to have in your medicine cabinet. It supports the broadcast. We've got the best 30 parts per million colloidal silver out there. It's Silver Bullet. It's at InfoWarsStore.com. And if you want to support the show, plus have something in your medicine cabinet. Have to give to others. It's topical. You can also take it orally. Uh, it is. It really does a lot of amazing things. Anti-infection, you name it. Nothing's a Silver Bullet, but it's as close to a Silver Bullet as you're going to get. Silver Bullet, back in stock, discounted, InfoWarsStore.com. Dot com And we also have brainforce Ultra, the incredible, fast-acting, nootropic back in stock, 60% off part of the big sale. The new sale we've got, Immune Support, Organic Green Fibers, 50% off. Those are both incredible. Vitamin D3 gummies, amazing. Infowarsstore.com or 888-253-3139, 888-253-3139.
0: listening to the American Journal watch it live right now at band.video
8: Welcome back to the American Journal ladies and gentlemen I'm going to show you clip 11 in a couple of minutes here in a couple of seconds here of of Elon Musk's recent conversation with Lex Friedman on his podcast. Before I go into that, I want to talk a little bit about U.S. House Speaker Johnson proposing funding government without aid to Ukraine and Israel. The Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Mike Johnson, has introduced a bill to temporarily fund the federal government. His proposal does not include aid to Ukraine or Israel, but does fund for the defense of the U.S. southern border. So this is an example of something, of course, that the speaker is doing that I agree with. If we're going to open up the government, we shouldn't be compromising what our budget is with these other wars and initiatives that are not America first. We shouldn't be funding these unnecessary wars, especially those wars which cannot be won. And I think that Elon Musk really did a great job of touching on – This conflict in the context of what a World War III would look like when he was speaking with Lex Friedman just a couple of days ago on his podcast where he says, stop sending young Ukrainians to die, Musk tells Zelensky. Let's go ahead and run clip 11.
9: So Volodymyr Zelensky said that he's not, or has said in the past, he's not interested in talking to Putin directly. Do you think he should sit down, man-to-man, leader-to-leader, and negotiate peace?
7: Look,
4: I think I would just recommend do not send the flower of Ukrainian youth to be, to die uh, in trenches. Uh, whether you talk to Putin or not, just don't do that. Um, whoever goes on the offensive will lose massive numbers of people. Um, and history will not
0: look kindly upon them.
8: We've obviously seen that to be the case over the last two years that this conflict was Arriving at this inevitable place we are now, where the Ukrainians are basically hopeless in the conflict, hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have died, hundreds of thousands of Russians have died, and needlessly so, very little land has changed hands. Of course, we have some of the rebellious republics of Ukraine now annexed and recognized as independent republics, which now seek to be taken into the fold of Russia, officially, I was looking up some of the leaders of the two regions that were liberated by Putin because I was just curious to see who Putin might put as the new leader of Ukraine. Obviously, it's not going to be somebody next in line within the military of Ukraine unless that person sells out to the interests of Russia. Russia is going to be able to select to pick the next leader of Ukraine. And so I was looking at those regions to see who that might be. But ultimately what's happened is Putin got exactly what he said he was going for. We refused to allow Zelensky to negotiate peace in the region early on in the conflict, and we funded to the tune of over $115 billion this war with weapons and supplies and services that amounted to the death of hundreds of thousands of people who did not need to die. And I'm brought to this place where I just ask the question, what was the purpose of this? Because there must have been a reason— that the international community was so supportive of this conflict. And the best I can guess is that the intelligence community, that is the CIA and others in the region, in Europe, pushed for this conflict to be extended as long as possible because they didn't want Russia to establish control over Ukraine before this conflict in Israel, between Israel and Palestine, could manifest. It seems to me that we knew this conflict was going to happen between Israel and Palestine and that we wanted to ensure that Russia did not secure the territory of Ukraine too soon because then it could establish export routes from Ukraine in terms of energy and agriculture to China that would have set up China to be positioned to take or annex Taiwan without being dependent on U.S. agricultural exports. If you look at the data, the United States has dramatically over the last 10 or 13 or 14 years reduced its exports to China. And what I should say is that China has dramatically reduced its reliance on U.S. agricultural exports. They are sourcing things like soybeans from other nations, things like other agricultural products from other nations to get themselves in a position where they're independent from our agricultural economy before they retake Taiwan and one of the ways that they can really finalize that hit the final nail put the final nail in the coffin is by partnering with Russia assuming Russia has control over Ukraine and Russia diverts what was being exported in terms of agriculture to Europe diverts that export to China granting them the independence that they need in order to justify or set them up for success in the acquisition or annexing of Taiwan so that even in light of that occupation of taiwan which i believe they are planning it doesn't matter whether or not the united states cuts them off in terms of our agricultural exports because they won't be dependent on us anymore that's why i think we lengthened this conflict that's why i think we funded it and delayed the russian conquest of ukraine because we needed china to remain dependent on us not independent on us until this conflict in israel between israel and palestine could manifest because we didn't want to fight a war on multiple fronts. We didn't want to see this conflict between Israel and Palestine happen at the same time that Taiwan was annexed or acquired or occupied by China, because then we would be forced to fight two wars on a single front. And I've gotten into this a little bit before. I certainly talked about it a lot last night on Sunday Night Live, but I believe that when we left all those weapons behind in Afghanistan, it was intentional to ensure that Iran would acquire the small arms and munitions, that they would either sell or give those to Hamas, so that Hamas would conduct this attack on Israel and justify the annexing of Gaza. Because we have to stabilize the region that is Israel if this IMEC corridor, this new corridor, is able to take place, to be developed. In order to convince key partners like Saudi Arabia to invest in this alternative corridor to China's Belt and Road Initiative, we have to make sure that Israel is stable. And in order to make sure Israel is stable, We have to basically eradicate all the Palestinians from the region. That's what's really going on here. We didn't want to do that at the same time as China invades Taiwan. So we delayed China's ability to invade Taiwan by delaying this war, extending this war unnecessarily in Ukraine, so that now we have this annexing of Gaza that's taking place right before our eyes. It's going to stabilize the region, and then we're going to be able to set up this competitor corridor to the Belt and Road Initiative and Fight to keep the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency. After all, if we know anything, we know that all of the conflicts that have happened over the last hundred years have not really been about principle, but they've all been related to banking issues. Basically, ever since the Federal Reserve was established in this country, all of our wars have been centered around banking or finance issues. A lot of what was occurring in Germany in the 20s with the Weimar Republic and the hyperinflation that led to the rise of the Nazi party had to do with banking issues and high inflation rates. high unemployment rates. And then, of course, the Great Depression happened. And then, of course, we get into World War II in response to the Great Depression to bring us out of the Great Depression. And then after World War II, we established the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency, backed by gold. But then, of course... We overspent beyond the gold backing that we had in order to fund ramping up the war in Vietnam. The other nations called us on it. We backed off of the gold standard and then went to the petrodollar backing instead. And every single conflict we've been in since then has been to preserve the petrodollar to ensure that oil is traded and exchanged and sold internationally in dollar denominations because that is what props up our fiat currency. Stick with us, folks. More on this in the next segment. Make sure you visit infowarsstore.com Check out some of our great deals and be the reason that we are still on the air.
0: Bodies is back. System and so much more. Regular turmeric from the store contains about one to five percent of the active ingredient curcuminoids, but our super powerful extract using bodies contains over 95 percent of the active ingredients in turmeric. No other product can compare with this curcuminoid delivery system, so if you want to put the true power of turmeric to the test, then look no further. Grab yourself a bottle today for 25 percent off at infowarestore.com and put your body at ease. Infowars.com
7: is tomorrow's news today.
4: The media's watchdog and America's voice. You're on
8: the American Journal. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. So much news to cover, so much going on. We're talking a lot about Ukraine. I've got a couple more things here and there to talk about regarding that. And then we'll hop over to Israel and Palestine and talk a little bit about the globalist takeover because this all really does tie into the globalist agenda, this new world order move to conglomerate power and control every aspect of our lives, in large due to the lie that is our fiat currency and the political classes need to cover up and sustain and perpetuate that lie for as long as possible. So I'm seeing this new report of guidelines for the governance of digital platforms, which came from UNESCO. UNESCO, I'm told, is the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. So this is a globalist organization. UNESCO aims to ensure that everyone's freedom of expression, access to information and diverse cultural content are fully guaranteed while various stakeholders, including member states, deal with the problems of dis and misinformation and hate speech online. So these are international regulations that are designed to set up guidelines for social media platforms to censor any content that is deemed politically incorrect by the international globalist community. They have these guidelines broken down into categories like safeguarding freedom of expression and access to information in digital platforms or enable enabling environment. How are we going to achieve this goal of enabling people with social media or with how speech is conducted online? And then they talk about issuing independent regulators and international organizations to moderate misinformation and disinformation with an emphasis on rules and regulations that states should apply to how speech is monitored and managed on the Internet as if it should be monitored and managed at all by any state. These digital platform companies should be requested and able to manage and mitigate human rights risks related to potential harmful content. And be transparent and accountable. This is the type of language, basically, that just says that we're going to come in and regulate the hell out of these platforms. And I think it's so interesting that we have an international community, an international organization, a globalist organization like the UN, like UNESCO, coming out with these guidelines for moderating freedom of speech. Of course, they gaslight you by saying it is protecting free speech and expression of all people. By monitoring this misinformation and disinformation, but of course they want to do this in the context of the fact that we're about ready to go to World War III, and it's going to be important for the international globalist community, our allies in this conflict against those who seek to subvert the dollar as the global reserve currency... It's going to be conducive to their success to this globalist agenda to ensure that they have as much power as possible over how information is exchanged on the internet. And I find this very ironic given the fact that we have these recent reports of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that prove that the real misinformation and disinformation that we experience is that which actually comes from our own government the most – It is our own government which has lied to us repeatedly, which lies about us repeatedly. And we are the ones being censored because our truth is a threat to their lies. After all, we know that lies cannot survive in the midst of truth. Let's go ahead and run clip 27 of Joe Biden talking a little bit about how if Ukraine were invaded by Russia, the administration would work to ensure that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline would be disabled. Go ahead and run clip 27.
2: If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine again. Then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. Do you, what,
5: how will you how will you do that exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Possibly this is a good idea to say to our American friends, we will be united, we will act together, and we will take all the necessary steps, and all the necessary steps will be done by all of us together. Today, will you commit today to turning off and pulling the plug on Nord Stream 2? You didn't mention it, you haven't mentioned it. As I already said, we are acting together together, We are absolutely united, and we will not take different steps. We will do the same steps, and they will be very, very hard to Russia, and they should understand.
8: So we see here that Joe Biden is saying that if Russia were to invade Ukraine, which of course it did, they would see to it, the Biden administration would see to it, that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline would be shut down or sabotaged. This all in the context of him standing next to leadership, of our allies like Germany suffering perhaps most if this pipeline were to be shut down because people after all do use natural gas in germany to heat their homes and because of our status with the us dollar as the global reserve currency we can force our allies to go along with things that would hurt their own people because we whip them into shape with sanctions and their dependence on our currency so we have the leadership here basically cutting whatever joe biden wants whatever the intelligence community wants in an effort to stop Russia or scare Russia away from invading Ukraine, which, of course, they did anyway. And then after this happened and after the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was sabotaged, we have Biden acting like he never claimed he was going to do anything to hurt the pipeline and saying it was Russian disinformation that the United States was in any way involved. Let's go ahead and run clip 28. It was a
2: a deliberate act of sabotage and now the russians are pumping out disinformation and lies we work with our allies to get to the bottom exactly what it precisely what happened. and as at my direction i've already begun to help our allies enhance the protection of this critical infrastructure
8: we know that a Ukrainian military officer spearheaded the attack on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline last year that cut off energy to Germany, according to the Washington Post. The headline of this Washington Post article says, U.S. knew about Ukrainian plot to bomb Nord Stream pipeline months before the attack. They're claiming that the United States encouraged Ukraine not to do it, which, of course, I believe they encouraged them to do it. They're acting like they said not to do it because they don't want to aggravate any of our allies who suffered as a result of this natural gas being cut off. Let's go ahead and run clip 29 of these recent revelations.
10: The man in this picture is Colonel Roman Shavinsky. It shows him in a glass room in Kyiv where he is being held on charges of abusing his power during a plot to lure a Russian pilot to defect to Ukraine. Now he is the subject of another investigation. According to an exclusive from the Washington Post and Spiegel, he was central to the controversial bombing of the Nord Stream natural gas pipelines last year. Sources have painted a picture of him managing logistics for a six-person team that rented a sailboat under false identities and dove deep into the Baltic Sea to plant explosive charges on the gas pipelines. They say he didn't act alone and that his orders ultimately came from senior military officials. The act of sabotage was condemned by the West after it left only one of four gaslings in the network intact ahead of a looming European winter. Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines run from Russia to Germany and provide energy to millions of people in Europe. Critically, the Nord Stream bypasses Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Lizensky has previously denied Ukrainian involvement in the
7: explosion. The Ukrainians definitely didn't do it. And that is the most important thing. Someone said there was some signs or even a certain Ukrainian flag. It's funny, to be honest.
3: What we're interested in is arms deliveries and our victory.
10: However, according to the post sources, the Nord Stream operation was designed to keep Zelensky out of the loop, underscoring the fraught ties between Ukraine's intelligence, military, and politicians.
8: So we see here that they said they were going to do it, the United States, that is. When it happened, they lied about having done it. Now they're lying about encouraging ukraine not to do it of course ukraine did it and we continue to fund them and perpetuate this conflict for an extended period of time all this in the context of the international community of organizations within the united nations seeking to enforce guidelines on how social media platforms enforce censorship or the war against misinformation or disinformation if they want to enforce or combat misinformation or disinformation they should be coming after our own intelligence community which lies to us constantly Finally, after close to a year, in early November,
7: where I'm cutting this ad, we finally got one of our flagship products back in stock, Ultra 12, the highest quality vitamin B12 organic. You take it out of the tongue, so you get better absorption of the body through your blood vessels, and what it does to every system in your body is simply incredible. It's the natural, clean, energy, focus, immune system, everything, and it's 40% off exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. This has been rated as the best B12 in the country. It's available from a top lab that we private label it through at InfoWarsStore.com. Ultra 12, vitamin B12, taken sublingually, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Or you can call toll-free and order it as well, 888 And Ultra 12 funds the InfoWars as well.
0: listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
9: Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you.
5: All right, joining me now, Ronna McDaniel, chairwoman of the Republican National Committee. Ronna, thanks so much for being with us. Um, Vivek and others are saying that under your leadership, Republicans have lost election after election and positing the question, you know, why should you retain your job given the track record of the party under your leadership? And to that, what do you say?
11: Well, first, I'm going to continue to focus on Joe Biden and Democrats. And I think there was a moment missed during that debate by Vivek to talk about the fact that we still have 13 American hostages in Israel, The fact that, for the first time ever in the history of either party, we had a Jewish co-sponsor for a debate, and we are in very perilous times in our country. And I do think Republican voters—and I hear this echoed all the time—are tired of the circular firing squad within our party, and they're saying, can we please talk about Joe Biden and the Democrats and the border and fentanyl and crime and what's happening to our kids and inflation? But I'll definitely defend my record as chair—
5: Listen, yeah, I mean, Ronna, I think, Rana, I think, C- I, I agree with you. Let me just say, I, I mean, all that, all that you just said, I, I couldn't agree with more. But and and you're right. I mean, obviously, that 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 should be a key focus. But. I know you believe in accountability. You talk about it all the time. I mean, everyone, I mean, I I'm do. accountable, so me you're, ac- right?
11: Some accountability. Okay, that's what I asked you when you
5: went into another, you know, another conversation. Yeah, I was going to go there,
11: sorry. I took too long on the answer, but I was getting there. I'm not trying okay. to avoid anything. Right. Let me promise you that, Laura. Listen, when, when Vivek didn't vote in 2016, I was leading Michigan to the first win in history in 30 years. In 2018, we defied the odds. We got three senators, people like Josh Hawley, that allowed President Trump to build the large largest conservative majority on the Supreme Court. In 2022, the RNC, which is a yeah. turnout machine, right? We're not the messengers. We don't create the messages for the campaigns. Those are the consultants who get very, very well paid. Well, one of the things, they-
5: Rana, that happened was, I think, in Virginia, people were wondering where the money was, whether they were going to get some help from the RNC. And I, I know it, at one point you said that, that you were not asked for money in Virginia, but a, source, a Republican source familiar with the Youngkin team in Virginia told the angle late tonight that that is false. And well, there, just- meaning your story keeps changing. Anyone who thinks Virginia Republicans wouldn't want to help when we knew we'd be outspent isn't being serious. You know, Ronna, well, they were Laura, outspent by eight million dollars.
11: Glenn Youngkin and, and did a phenomenal job, and he raised a lot of money. A lot of people don't understand fundraising. I can't raise state dollars. I don't get unlimited convention and, yep. and state dollars. Uh, and these were state House and state Senate races. The RNC no, is a federal it. committee. So, I mean, come on. Can you just, right. this, these are people who have come after me all the time. They're on Twitter. They're all the time. And let's see their results. What did they do in Virginia? How much money did they yep. give? But let me stand by something else. In 2022, Rana, we, we got, took back yep. the House. And the RNC is yep. part Rana, of that. We we're building goal. the road. And yep. we're launching Bank Your Vote. We've got to All do that. Right. we got to roll. To but early. thank
5: you for joining us tonight. We have a lot more to get to next.
8: Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey, click here to subscribe. So basically you see there Ronna McDaniel trying to defend her career, her leadership as the chair of the RNC. And we saw the clip over and over again. We've already showed it on this program and other programs here on the network. I'm not going to get into it again of Vivek calling her out during the Republican debate where he said that we lost in 2018, that we lost in 2020, that we lost in 2022. You've seen it a million times. He absolutely owned her in that debate, and she's obviously been a terrible leader. It's a shame that she wasn't replaced when we had the chance, but that's just the way it goes in a swamp Republican Party, an establishment Republican Party. And the only thing you really need to do other than just look at her record to know that she's been a terrible leader of the RNC is go to the RNC website versus going to the DNC website and look at the hiring page. Look what positions both parties are recruiting for, and you'll see a much disproportionate effort coming from the Democrats than from the Republicans in terms of roles being hired for, technology being invested in, the types of positions that they hire, not just the volume. While the RNC does things like take applications to put on the back burner for internships down the road, we see that our Republican Party is totally fine with the status quo. And I'm pleased to see that we've seen some accountability from the MAGA Republicans within the United States. I'm pleased to see that we've seen some accountability in that we did get McCarthy out of the chair while he wore his Ukrainian flag apparel, his Ukrainian flag, lapel pin, and pocket square. Something I don't believe anybody that sits in the House of Representatives should ever do, wear another nation's flag into those chambers. It should be the United States only. There should be only room for one flag in the heart of any American, in the heart of any patriot, for that matter. So we did hold some accountability to the establishment political GOP elite when we said, hey, look, you're not going to get away with this. We are going to unseat you. We're going to vote you out. There is a radical enough, an extreme enough, a committed enough base within this party to unseat a Speaker of the House if he proves himself not to be an America First candidate or an America First Speaker. And we replaced them with... House Speaker Johnson, who I have mixed feelings about because I can't tell whether or not he's backpedaling on some of these accusations or criticisms of the Bidens. Or whether or not this is part of some grand strategy that he has to ensure that Joe Biden remains in office as the candidate to increase the likelihood that Trump wins. But if we look at clip eight, which I'll cue up here in a second. You'll see that before he was Speaker of the House, he was very blatantly and explicitly critical of the Biden crime family, of the corruption within the Biden administration, of the crimes which Biden and his son Hunter had committed together, as indicated by the laptop. So let's go ahead and run clip eight, and then we'll talk about his most recent comments on the matter.
2: Uh, Joining me now is Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson.
11: He's the House Republican Conference vice chairman. He's a member of the House Judiciary Armed Services Committees and a member of the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Government. Congressman, good to see you this morning. Uh, How would you assess your colleagues yesterday? Are they not acknowledging uh, what these bank records show about the Biden family?
4: They're doing their best to hide the headline here. Look, the American people, Maria, are having a hard time keeping up with all the scandals involving the Bidens, but here's what they don't want you to recognize. The evidence now shows, it proves, that the first family is hopelessly corrupt. They've been involved in extortion and bribery schemes and tax fraud and incredible abuses of power. And now, the second headline that we're proving through all these oversight hearings, through judiciary oversight and the other committees, uh, even Ways and Means now, is that there is a two-tiered system of justice that's what the people intuitively recognize okay, enough of this and clip, now the, evidence out shows the shows DOJ, this because i want to make sure there's enough the time the for IRS the next federal so we see
8: here very clearly that the now speaker was very explicitly complaining about and highlighting emphasizing the crimes that are proven by these committees the evidence proven by these committees here's what we see in clip nine of him backpedaling some of those statements with this new sort of approach to the issue go ahead and run clip nine
4: joseph biden has engaged in bribery schemes, pay to play schemes. This is what the evidence shows.
2: And now for the best part,
9: here is the quote from the Speaker of the House: "There is insufficient evidence at the moment to initiate formal impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden." So, after hearing what he just said, now you have it from the Washington Post as well. You have the tweet from Mike Cernovich. He says, "Congratulations, everyone." That's his quote. So, why, why the change of, uh, why, why, why the, why the change of pace here? And I think it's fairly obvious. Democrats actually want him impeached and convicted, and the Republicans, like Mike Johnson, previously was saying. Yes, look what he's done. We have evidence. We have these checks. All of a sudden he's saying there's insufficient evidence to, to to move forward. Yeah, they want
11: Biden to stay. Yeah, it's kind of hilarious that the Washington Post headline is sort of scolding Mike Johnson for being for, for not moving forward with the impeachment we all theoretically wanted for a while. But it just goes to show you the DNC absolutely hates Biden.
5: And maybe
3: it's just a 40 chess move. I mean, they know that Biden is the weakest candidate here. And if they can keep an, him in and allow him to essentially ruin the country for as long as he has and the rest of his election, um, you know, I think uh, I think they know what they're doing here.
0: I kind of feel the same way. It
9: does seem like they're they've got all this stuff out in the open. It's pretty obvious that he should be
8: impeachable, but he is not. Absolutely astounding. Just to provide a cherry on top of that, let's go ahead and run clip number 13 and just look who actually does support Biden, if not the DNC.
2: Biden! Biden!
8: Biden! 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 There you have it, folks. A group of illegal migrants praising Joe Biden. That, after all, is who he represents. We are about ready to cut to break. We'll cover more news in the next hour. Make sure you visit InfowarsStore.com and be the reason that we're still on the air. Make sure you check out our Ultra 12 offering, which is now 40% off at Infowars Store. After being sold out for months, Ultra 12 is finally back in stock and being made available at an unprecedented discount of 40% off. Ultra 12 from InfoWars Life took the familiar secret 12 formula and singled out one powerful ingredient. Made with this new ingredient, the most effective and expensive form of B12 is now available. We're offering it to you at 40% off. Make sure that you check it out at InfoWarsStore.com and experience the power of B12 while being the reason we are still on the air.
7: You're going to want to pay attention to what I'm about to say in the next 60 seconds. Two new incredible products are now available exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. They are both clones of national best-selling products from a major pharmaceutical-slash-supplement maker that are listeners and patriots that are allowing us to private label it at a lower price you'll find in stores. It's Joint Relief Max and Nerve Renew. Both of these have known documented natural compounds to lower pain and to also make your nerves healthier, which is one of the major reasons nerves get irritated and are more inductive to pain. There's major research behind this all. You need to get Joint Relief Max from InfoWars MD and Nerve Renew from InfoWars MD exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Introducing them both, 25% off. You'll find them exclusively at Infowarstor.com and they fund our operation.
6: Through the lens of the American Journal, Chase Geyser captures the mosaic of American life.
1: in the Constitution no longer limited Congress, but were actually used as a justification to extend Congress's authority over every realm of human life. What if the president, meant to be an equal to Congress, has instead become a democratically elected term-limited monarch? What if the president assumed that everything he did was legal just because he's the president? What if he could interrupt your regularly scheduled radio and TV programming for a special message from him? What if he could declare war on his own? What if he could read your emails and your texts without a search warrant? What if he could kill you without warning? What if Supreme Court justices no longer looked to the Constitution to determine the constitutionality of a law, but rather simply to what justices who preceded them thought about it? What if the rights and principles guaranteed in the Constitution have been so distorted in the past 200 years as to be unrecognizable by the founders? What if the 50 states were no longer sovereign entities, equals to each other, and parents of the federal government they voluntarily constituted? What if the states were mere provinces of a totally nationalized and fully centralized government? What if the Constitution was amended stealthily, not by constitutional amendments duly ratified by the states, but by the constant and persistent expansion of the federal government's role in our lives? What if the federal government decided if its own powers were proper and constitutional? What if the Constitution were no longer the supreme law of the land? What if you needed a license from the government to speak, to assemble, or to protest against the government? What if the government didn't like what you planned to say, and so it didn't give you the license? What if the right to keep and bear arms only applied to the government? What if posse comitatus, the federal law that prohibits our military from occupying our streets, were no longer in effect? What if the government considered the military an adequate dispenser of domestic law enforcement? What if cops looked and acted like troops and you couldn't distinguish the military from the police? What if you were not secure in your person, in your papers, and in your property? What if federal agents could write their own search warrants in defiance of the Constitution? What if the government could decide when you were and were not entitled to a jury trial? What if the government could take your property whenever it wanted? What if the government could continue prosecuting you until it got the verdict it wanted? What if the government could force you to testify against yourself simply by labeling you a domestic terrorist? What if the government could torture you until you said what the government wanted to hear? What if people running for president actually supported torture? What if the government tortured your children to get to you? What if government judges and government lawyers intimidated juries into convicting the innocent? What if the government could send you to your death and your innocence meant nothing so long as the government's procedures were followed? What if America's prison population, the largest in the world, was a cruel and unusual way for a country to be free? What if half the prison population never harmed anyone but themselves? What if the people had no rights? except those the government chose to let them have? What if the states had no rights except to do as the federal government commanded? What if our elected officials didn't really live among us, but instead all had their hearts and homes in Washington, D.C.? What if the government could strip you of your rights because of where your mother was when you were born? What if the income tax was unconstitutional? What if the states were convinced to give up their representation in Congress? What if the government tried to ban you from using a substance in your body that is older than the government itself? What if voting didn't mean anything anymore because both political parties stand for big government? What if the government could write any law, regulate any behavior, and tax any event, the Constitution be damned? What if the government was the reason we don't have a Constitution anymore? What if you could love your country but hate what the government has done to it? What if sometimes, to love your country, you had to alter or abolish the government? What if Jefferson was right? What if that government is best, which governs least? What if I'm right? What if the government is wrong? What if it is dangerous to be right when the government is wrong? What if it is better to perish fighting for freedom than to live as a slave? What if freedom's greatest hour of danger is now?
0: listening to the american journal with your host Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at fan.video.
8: Welcome back to the American Journal, ladies and gentlemen. Some news in the way of entertainment. It looks like the Marvels melt down at box office, marking a new low for MCU the Marvel Comic Universe. This movie Popped out with just forty-seven million dollars in the opening weekend. I actually want to show you guys the trailer, and let's just guess why this movie may have done poorly. Go ahead and run clip thirty-one.
6: Cale Danvers,
3: prodigal child of the Milky Way.
11: Nick Fury, my favorite one-eyed man
6: of intrigue. How goes it out there? You know,
11: cold, no air,
2: space.
4: The annihilator You took everything from me And now I'm returning the favor
10: What is happening to me? She's entangled our light-based powers So we switch places whenever we use them. Strong theory. You can absorb light. I can see it.
11: And Kamala... Who's Kamala?
10: Hi. She
5: can turn light into physical matter, which I have never heard of. I could totally show you. No!
2: Targeting every planet we call home. I would never choose to bring anybody into this. You are not the only thing standing between this and the universe.
8: Perhaps one of the worst trailers that I've ever seen in my entire life. That movie looks so terrible. I walk away from that trailer still having no idea what the movie is actually about. What I see is a group of superheroes who are women who can transition into each other's bodies, who love cats. So that's automatically a red flag, by the way. Forgive me, members of the audience who are cat ladies. There's exceptions to every rule, but that, that is a red flag. And it seems like the whole entire premise of the movie is just women can be superheroes too, which is just not compelling enough of a story in order to have a massive box office success. I was looking at some of the other movies that were out on the list. None of them actually looked very good or very interesting. So it wasn't like there was some hyper competition here that put this movie in a position where it wouldn't do as well as it could maybe in another environment or another circumstance it seems to me that the reason this movie failed is because it's boring it has no story and it's leaning on a woke sort of propaganda based agenda that's not based in any real compelling story that doesn't actually connect the audience with the characters in the story I would have a hard time relating to any of those characters and it just goes to show that these these major platforms like Disney and others, they need to stop catering to this woke agenda because if you go woke, you go broke. If you're going to spend $200 million on a movie and it's just going to be woke propaganda, you're probably not going to recuperate your loss. Meanwhile, in entertainment, we saw that UFC fighter makes entrance with a shirt that reads, Trump was indicted before anyone on Epstein's client list. UFC fighter Joel King ba- Bauman entered the ring Friday night wearing a shirt that read Trump was indicted before anyone on Epstein's client list. And we see that UFC is thriving. It's doing well. It's certainly doing much better than the new Marvel movies in the space. Donald Trump, Don Jr., Tucker Carlson, Kid Rock, Dana White got a hero's welcome at Madison Square Garden for the UFC fight. Let's go ahead and run clip 24 here in a second. Former President Donald Trump, the leading GOP candidate for president in 2024, got a hero's welcome alongside Donald Trump Jr., Tucker Carlson, Kid Rock, and Dana White as they walked into Madison Square Garden in New York City on Saturday night for the big UFC fight. Let's see this clip, 24.
6: How strong that team is, making his way into the building. One of the bigger
9: mixed martial arts fans, I know President Donald Trump, taking his octagon side seat for UFC 295. We got two title fights coming up at UFC 295 here in a matter of moments, live from Madison Square Garden. President Trump will be here to witness all of it. Four of the very best fighters in the world set to take their cracks at light heavyweight and interim heavyweight gold, respectively. We move over to pay-per-view shortly. Thank you all for being here for the prelim
8: coverage. But as you know, best is yet to come. Main car for UFC 295. Obviously, we saw this past week that Trump said some flattering things about Tucker Carlson, even saying that he would consider... Asking him to be his running mate in 2024, that would probably be a very good decision because Tucker Carlson is revered among all members of the Republican Party, except for those who lead Fox News. And I think that we're seeing this cozying up of the two. They probably talked about it, and that's why they were together this weekend, I imagine. Obviously, Tucker has more time on his hands, given that he is just doing his own independent podcast and doesn't need to be in the studio for Fox News speaking within their parameters every weeknight. But at this event, something very interesting happened. Donald Trump was flipped off by Bill Burr's wife, Nina Renee Hill, at the UFC match. Bill Burr's wife, actress Nina Renee Hill, was caught flipping off former President Donald Trump with both her middle fingers at an Ultimate Fighting Championship match Saturday at Madison Square Garden. Of course, this is the same match you can see in this image here from the top cam. She's sitting right next to Bill Burr, who's looking the other way. I'm not even sure if he's aware that she is doing this, but there's a picture being taken. She appears to be photobombing the picture with the double birds. And I saw this, of course, in the middle of the night last night when I was scrolling through Twitter. And I was really sad to see that so many former friends of Bill Burr were expressing their animosity toward this woman. I saw that Anthony Cumia mentioned that this woman allegedly, according to him is the reason that Bill Burr no longer communicates or speaks with him. And I really hope that he reconsiders because I believe that in this sort of a relationship, there will come a day when Bill Burr wakes up, realizes what has been done to him, and he's going to need a friend. He's going to need his old friends back, so I hope that the likes of Anthony Cumia and others who have had an antagonistic relationship with this woman, a negative experience with this woman open their arms to Bill Burr when he crawls back to them, because I think he's going to need a friend when he realizes how toxic this type of a relationship is. When you're just sort of whipped up and constantly at the beck and call, his comedy certainly has slipped recently and you really can see the pain, the genuine pain behind some of the jokes that he tells. They used to be funny. Now it's sort of just evoking a sense of pity to hear what he says, because you realize he's actually going through some of the things that he's joking about. And it just seems like an unhealthy relationship when you're in this position where you're just bullied and your wife can do things like that in public and totally embarrass you and alienate half of your fan base or 25% of your fan base. After all, Bill Burr is famous for very controversial comedy. Some of the things that he said that were the absolute funniest, most famous bits of all time that he's ever said have been bits that would really only resonate with people of sort of a right-leaning persuasion, certainly more than a left-leaning persuasion. So for her to do something like this is totally detrimental to his fan base. Of course, he didn't do it himself. He hasn't endorsed it. But it's going to cause problems for him. People are going to be like, you know what, I don't know whether or not I want to go see Bill Burr because after all, he's married to that leftist whack who seems to have him all whipped up. And I don't think that I respect him as much as I did when he seemed like the guy that was impossible to whip, when he seemed like the guy that was going to stand up against any woman who would ever try to run his life, who would ever try to control him. That was when I was a fan of him. But now that I see this sort of disrespect happening to him by his wife in front of the entire world, I'm not sure that I think it's so funny anymore. Anyway, we'll get into more news in the next segment. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Be the reason that we're still on the air. Check out Ultra 12, which is back in stock. Experience the power of B12, 40% off. Shop now today.
7: The satanic new world order is betting against humanity. They're betting on our weakness. They believe they can destabilize civilization and bring us down into the ashes of history. But the trap they've laid for us will be their destruction, not ours. If we trust in God and if we are valiant and have courage to speak the truth and not comply and engage in civil disobedience and not join the masses, who have decided that they are the scum of the earth, who have decided that they will join with this soulless corporate system. As for InfoWars, we are going to steadfastly continue to fight in the information war with our weapon, the truth, against the enemies of humanity. And we put our faith, and we put our trust, and we put our destiny in the hands of God. Because it's been said a trillion times, if God be with us, who can be against us? I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalists at point blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered. But the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had the success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the New World Order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all.
0: You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
8: Journal. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Chase Geyser, your host today. We'll be covering the news the rest of the hour, taking calls in the third hour. A new report from the Gateway Pundit. The FBI whistleblowers reveal the agency is targeting agents based on their political beliefs, according to a report alleging the FBI targets military members for disloyalty. The whistleblowers allege that FBI brass is now harassing military veterans for being loyal to the U.S. and fitting the profile of a Trump supporter. Of course, when I saw this, I needed to know more. Looking into it, we see that more whistleblowers have stepped forward to tell Congress that high-ranking FBI officials are targeting agents for their political beliefs and trying to force them out of the Bureau, specifically going after former military members. This is, is very similar to what we saw from the Obama administration when Eric Holder was auditing conservative organizations, conservative nonprofits, and conservative individuals at a greater rate, at an increased rate or likelihood than... Democrats, in an effort to sort of harass and target political dissidents or political opposition, the whistleblowers said FBI Security Division Deputy Assistant Director Jeffrey Veltry and Assistant Section Chief Dana Perkins specifically went after bureau employees who served as Marines or in other military branches, presumably because these people are more likely to have sort of conservative ideas or vote for Republicans, stripping them of security clearance. The whistleblower, disc- whistleblower disclosures charge that Mr. Veltry and Ms. Perkins either declared or attempted to declare the Marine and other veterans as disloyal to the United States of America. So the intelligence community is seemingly going through somewhat of a purge. It is trying to eradicate any patriots, any right-leaning people from service in the Bureau because that would, after all, be a threat to what they perceive to be national security, which is their total control over every branch of the government through either blackmail, threats, manipulation, or coercion. And in the face of this coming election in 2024, and in the context of this World War III, which we see manifest right before our eyes in every headline every day, we see that the FBI, and I'm sure the same thing is happening at the CIA, and other members of the intelligence community are purging out, eradicating anyone who actually cares about Americans first, or has an interest in the values of Americanism or patriotism, so that they can do whatever they want without concern for whether or not those following orders have or have not a conscience." Laura Logan is doing an outstanding job diving in to investigating this Ray F story, what happened with January 6th. Journalist Laura Logan of Truth in Media released part two of an investigative series looking into suspected federal provocateur Ray F and his involvement with the events of January 6th. Let's check out clip 32 where she dives in and where some evidence seems to be present that... Ray Epps may have been scouting Baked Alaska weeks before January 6. Claims he wasn't working with the feds, so who was he working with? We need hearings, according to a Muse on Twitter, regarding this new information that he was scouting out Baked Alaska. Let's go ahead and run clip 32.
2: November 30th, shortly after the 2020 election, it appeared to have been scrubbed from the internet. According to forensics experts we consulted, who found a single copy buried deep in an online archive Let's go. and managed to extract the full live stream of 11 hours, 10 minutes, and 55 seconds? Here it showed Ray Epps cool. pacing back and forth, a short way from Baked Alaska, who seemed to have his attention as he looked over in his direction repeatedly, 13 times by our count. Then Epps stopped and pointed his camera right at him, snagging a photo before putting his phone down and walking away, only to re-emerge on camera roughly a minute later, taking another photo in the same area. Not long after that, he
8: Very, very interesting new reports from the great Laura Logan, who is a distinguished journalist, someone who I admire deeply, someone who I had on my podcast, oh, maybe almost two years ago, a lovely person. And this is all happening while this breaking news comes out that the Secret Service agents protecting Biden's granddaughter opened fire when three people tried to break into a unmarked Secret Service SUV. I think in Texas, you're allowed to shoot somebody. If they're caught breaking into a car, because I believe you can use lethal force in order to protect property in this state. But I'm sure that in Washington, that would not be the case, typically speaking. Secret Service agents protecting President Joe Biden's granddaughter opened fire after three people tried to break into an unmarked Secret Service vehicle in the nation's capital, a law enforcement official told the Associated Press. The agents assigned to protect Naomi Biden were out with her in the Georgetown neighborhood late Sunday night. When they saw the three people breaking a window of the parked and unoccupied SUV, the official said the official could not discuss details of the investigation publicly and spoke to the AP on Monday on the condition of anonymity. Very interesting to see that unfold there. Meanwhile, we have these new reports of Big Pharma rebranding the failed pharmaceutical products with new COVID flu double jab. Nobody wants to get the COVID vaccine because of all the negative side effects, because of the lack of efficacy around it, because frankly, nobody's afraid of COVID anymore because everyone's already had it at least once and virtually no one's died of it. I, I don't personally know anyone who died of COVID that didn't already have one foot out the door. And so what they're doing is they're rebranding it as this double jab where they're going to mix in the COVID vaccine with the flu shot. So you either unwittingly or for some other reason, just get both at once because you don't care. This is how the government props up big pharmaceutical companies. This is how they're able to sell products that people don't actually want, how they're able to push vaccines that people don't really care to take. They can just combine them with other ones to make sure that if you're interested in either or, you end up getting both. And there you have it, folks. We have an entire population that's inoculating itself with these jabs, despite the fact that sudden deaths are twice as high among vaccinated in the Pfizer trial. Sudden deaths were twice as high in the vaccine group of the original Pfizer clinical trial than in the placebo group. Researchers have found reigniting concerns about the safety of the novel mRNA drug. So we might as well just marry it to something else that people want to get. We might as well marry it to the flu shot to ensure that the population still takes it, even though we know it's dangerous and even though we know that it doesn't work. We're going to spend as much money as possible on this because obviously this is some sort of a priority despite the fact that our government is failing to secure the border. Something which I initially thought was a manifestation of incompetence of the Biden regime, but we'll get more into it in the next segment. It seems to me that this might actually be an intentional ploy, an intentional maneuver from the intelligence community in an effort to get us involved in World War III in a more explicit way and simultaneously push Joe Biden out of the race. So while the speaker may be walking back his criticisms of the Biden crime family, while he may be making statements to the effect of there not being enough evidence to impeach Joe Biden as president of the United States. It seems to me that the intelligence community and the democratic machine already has a way of getting Joe Biden out of the race, no matter what the Republicans try to do to keep him in, so they can defeat him in the fall, knowing that he is an unpopular dementia-ridden candidate, incapable of running with any sort of energy or gusto. But it seems to me that perhaps a terrorist attack may come upon the United States in the next six months, and it will be conducted by hamas sympathizers who crossed the border illegally that fact will be used as leverage to push joe biden out of the race and simultaneously get us involved in a direct way in the conflict in the middle east in the name of protecting the united states from radical extremism just like what happened after 9-11 with it being used as a pretext to usher in the new world order stick with us folks more after this break make sure you visit infowarsstore.com and be the reason we are still on the air Finally, after close to
7: a year, in early November, where I'm cutting this ad, we finally got one of our flagship products back in stock, Ultra 12, the highest quality vitamin B12 organic, you take it out of the tongue, so you get better absorption into the body through your blood vessels, and what it does to every system in your body is simply incredible. It's the natural, clean, energy, focus, immune system, everything, and it's 40% off exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. This has been rated as the best B12 in the country. It's available from a top lab that we private label it through at InfoWarsStore.com. Ultra 12, vitamin B12, taken sublingually, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Or you can call toll-free and order it as well, 888 And Ultra 12 funds the InfoWars as well. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today.
0: You're tuned in to The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video.
8: Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. Escalation happening in Israel with this conflict between Israel and Palestine and other nations also sort of chiming in to what looks to be an inevitable escalation into what seems to be World War III. We see this sort of loss or lack of support for Bibi manifesting amidst this propaganda war between Palestine and Israel. Obviously, Israel has the superior military strength and military support in the region, but Hamas seems to be doing an outstanding job of really radicalizing the refugees and insurgents that they have placed in the international community namely in the united states and in europe but they're also doing a great job of sort of swaying the hearts and minds of people on the internet because this response from israel has been so disproportionate to the initial attack on october 7th stop killing babies and women macron tells israel civilians are getting bombed in gaza and this needs to stop french president emmanuel macron has told the bbc in an interview on friday And in clip 26, we see Bibi responding to some of this loss of support, and it seems like they're going to be able to push forward anyway, regardless of what any peoples think about this conflict. It seems like their governments, with the exception of maybe Macron's, are going to support Israel despite whatever they do to the Palestinians. Let's go ahead and run clip 26.
5: Prime Minister, as you know, even those in the South say they do not feel safe. French President Emmanuel Macron has said there is, quote, no justification for the ongoing bombing of civilians all over the world. You've seen protesters who are calling for an end to civilian deaths in Gaza. Can you win this war without global support?
6: We will win this war. Because we have no other choice. There's no life for us. There's no future for us and our neighbors. If we allow the axis of terror led by Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis and their minions to dominate, we have an alliance for peace on the other side. It includes Israel, the United States, the moderate Arab states and the rest of the civilized world. Now it's a question who wins. We have to win. There's confusion in many parts of the, uh, of the world. I have to say, not in the United States. I'm glad to see that the, the majority of the american people support israel they understand that we're fighting the just battle of civilization against barbarism but those who uh, those who protest for hamas you're protesting for sheer evil there are a lot of misguided people out there who don't, don't know the facts you're talking to people who deliberately targeted civilians who raped and murdered women who raped uh, uh, who who beheaded uh, men who burnt babies alive, who kidnapped uh, little babies and hosti- and uh, and Holocaust survivors, you name it. These are the people that you are supporting. Now, you cannot—it's like in World War II, yeah. the Allies are fighting the Nazis, okay? Chancellor Cole so- so- uh, of uh, Germany said— that Hamas are the new Nazis. So imagine now the allies are fighting the Nazis. They've been invaded France after they were attacked by the Nazis. They uh, they go into the cities of Germany. They're obviously, the Nazis are fighting within civilian quarters, and civilians get killed. In fact, many of them were killed. Millions were killed. Now, but, who do you protest against? Well, do you and, protest against the Nazis, or do you protest... Uh, against the allies and what these people are doing is protesting for sheer evil that's wrong by the way it's a condemnation it's an indictment of higher education in some of our universities
8: so we see this conflict escalating and we see these protests all over the place and what's really striking or alarming about it is if you would look at the demographic makeup of the united states or our european friends 30 40 or 50 years ago You wouldn't see this level of support for Gaza or the West Bank or the Palestinians in the tune of hundreds of thousands of people, to the tune of hundreds of thousands of people at these major capitals, in these major cities. It's really alarming when you see all of these refugees, all of these migrants together, because it shows that there really is a total shift happening in the demographic makeup of the United States and our European allies. These are different values, different worldviews, a sort of extremist, whether state religion or radical religion that advocates for a different form of government, sort of burgeoning right under our nose while we do nothing, while our border is left wide open under this Administration. I want to run clips 2, 3, 4, and 23 sort of back-to-back just so you guys can see visually what's going on in terms of some of these protests throughout London specifically and in the United States as well. Go ahead and run them. So we see here that sort of pro-Britain protesters seem to be clashing with some of these pro-Palestine protesters. It seems like there's literally just brawling happening in the streets of London between those who advocate the old sort of traditional England, the English culture, the assimilation, and then those who have gradually sort of inched their way into this civilization and attempted not to assimilate, but to shift the culture more like where they came from. We'll see in other clips, too, that many protesters are shouting Allahu Akbar. Some of them are emphasizing from the river to the sea, which has been criticized as a comment Expression That means the total eradication of all Jewish people within what is now Israel. And it doesn't just end with London. We see protesters in the United States tearing down the American flag. Critical of the united states which of course is their right as protected by the first amendment right to freedom of speech and expression and assembly and protest and things of that nature that's great but when you see this to the tune of hundreds of thousands of people in your own country these people that come to your country that are not of your country that hate your country it's very discouraging and frankly alarming and when i think about this in the context of what this Biden administration has done in terms of this war with Zelensky, this, this this war with Israel and Palestine, this open border, it seems too much a coincidence to me for it to be all incompetence. It seems frankly to me that this is all intentional. And what I would contend, what I suggest, what I believe is that Biden was blackmailed by the intelligence community to run for president of the United States. I think the FBI or the CIA or both came to him and said, look, if you don't run for president of the United States, we are going to indict you. We're going to press charges on you. We are going to convict you and you and your son will spend the rest of your lives in prison unless you run. Then you will be able to pardon Hunter. You'll get away with everything, but you have to do everything that we say. I think that the intelligence community blackmailed Joe Biden to run for president against his will. I think he was tired. I think he wanted to be retired. I think he knew that he was sick with some form of dementia and they pressured him to run because they wanted a president that they could install in the office in the white house in the west wing that would be totally under their control so then when you think about the biden administration not as being run by barack obama not as being run by an incompetent leftist woke staff some of that's a little bit true but when you think of it as a west wing that is run by the intelligence community a executive branch run by committee, frankly plainly, Committee of Intelligence members, then all of these other things that we've seen happen over the last several years begin to make sense. We began to understand that when we left all of those weapons behind in Afghanistan, all of those small arms behind with those munitions in Afghanistan, we intentionally did so so that Iran would acquire them and then sell them or give them to Hamas because we wanted this attack to happen from Hamas on October 7th on Israel in order to justify the total annexation of Gaza in order to justify the U.S. supporting an Israeli basically conquest and eradication of all Palestinian people in the region so that we could secure the IMEC corridor so that we could compete with China's Belt and Road Initiative so that we could protect the dollar as the global reserve currency. And then when we look at the open border that we've seen here, it seemed at first like Biden incompetence, but then there's not really any incentive for them to just keep the, bo- the border wide open like they have unless the intelligence community wants radical extremists or terrorists to come into the country. We know that over 70,000 people of interest have been apprehended crossing the border coming from terrorist-run countries. We know that 10 million people are estimated to have come into the country since Biden took office. So how many of those were terrorists that were not acquired? We see this in the context of 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate vanishing from a train on the way to California from Wyoming, and it seems like it's all lining up that the FBI, that the CIA, is conducting this major operation to ensure that we get into World War III and they can push Joe Biden out before the next election. Stick with us, folks. We'll go into more details in the next segment. Make sure you visit the Our
7: world is so full of hype. So the chemicals that we ingest and and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. Please listen closely because this is life-changing critical information. The globalists are bombarding us with toxic chemicals hitting us in the air, the water, the food, the 5G, the poison shots, the shedding, the GMO, all of it. But God's given us compounds through nature that do incredible things in our body. And one of the most important, if not the most important, is vitamin B12. We've got the best organic vitamin B12, ultra 12, a bestseller finally back in stock after close to a year being sold out. You take it under the tongue for better absorption, and it's 40% off right now at Infowarstore.com. So go to Infowarstore.com right now. Get your Ultra 12 and other great products. for 40% off, some products are even more, and it keeps the show on the air. That is a 360 win. The only way you lose is not taking action. I thank you all for your support, being part of this fight. Now go to Infowarstore.com right now.
0: You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
4: Yesterday, and it gets slammed into by a human smuggler. This stuff is happening every single day. And and Texans are tired of it. I mean, we're reaching a breaking point. Jesse, you're a Texan. You know it. Um, We've got action we're going to have to take as Texans if the federal government won't do its job. To that point, of course, we should impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. I've been calling on it for two years. I've written out the case. Um, I believe that my colleague, uh, 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 Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Green put an uh, impeachment resolution, I believe, on the floor today. Uh, I've not had a chance to read it or review it. Uh, you know, it does matter what's in it. Um, the facts will matter. The presentation of the case will matter. That was true, by the way, for the resolution of censure for Rashida leave. Unfortunately, I had to table the first version, but we were able to get one finished. So, look, I applaud Marjorie for pushing forward and going to the floor and doing it. But we have some Republican votes that are not there uh, because they don't believe that it's an impeachable offense. I disagree. I know you disagree. I don't see how endangering the American people and a failure to follow the Constitution and laws of the United States to secure our country, how that's not an impeachable
8: offense. Obviously, in any sane society... we would want to protect our border. After all, it is one of like the main three things that the U.S. government is supposed to do. It's supposed to pr- protect our border, protect our people from foreign threats or even domestic threats. But it seems to me just obvious that this is all intentional because there's no other incentive, like I said, and the intelligence community loves to allow, promote, or fund terrorist attacks discreetly in order to use them as a pretext to usher in whatever war or conflict that they want for whatever reason. Right? We saw this happen with 9-11. They allowed it to happen. They knew it was going to happen. It was done by terrorists. Terrorists led by Osama bin Laden, which of course was a CIA asset. And we used that to justify a war in Afghanistan. And as soon as Saddam Hussein expressed any sort of idea or notion or promotion of trading oil with anything other than the U.S. dollar. We made something up about weapons of mass destruction and these atrocities that were being committed on his own people, and then we used that as a justification to topple him. Then Gaddafi said that he wanted to trade oil with a different currency, and we made up some sort of domestic attacks or human rights violations that he was allegedly committing, and used that as a ju- justification to topple him. And now we see that Iran is really pushing for the death of America, for the end of America, for... OPEC to trade in denominations other than U.S. dollars, and that's why we are escalating this conflict with them, that's why you are seeing reports that they funded Hamas, that's why we allowed them to have the weapons that we left behind in Afghanistan so they could arm Hamas, which was seen with U.S.-made weapons instead of the traditional AK-47s from Russia on this conflict on October 7th. And so it seems to really all be falling into place. Let me ask you this, if you're wondering, if you're second-guessing this, why is it that the United States is selective in the humanitarian crises it endeavors to aid? Why is it that when there's a crisis in Ukraine or when there's a crisis in Israel, suddenly we're very interested, but when there's countless warlords all over Africa, we have no interest whatsoever, or when there's a genocide occurring With Armenians, we have no interest whatsoever. There's no reporting or coverage whatsoever. It's because none of these issues, none of these conflicts, our interest in these issues or conflicts has nothing to do with an actual care or compassion for a humanitarian crisis. That crisis is just used as a pretext or an excuse or an emotional manipulation to garner support, to get involved for some other reason that is not disclosed publicly to the people. But must be deduced by using logic. Let's go ahead and run clip 36 of Vivek talking about this conflict in Armenia and making a great point similar to the one that I just made. Go ahead with clip 36.
9: How, much, how many hours of your show or minutes or seconds have you dedicated to what Azerbaijan has done to Armenia and Nagorno-Karabakh on the different region on the other side of Caspian? Zero is probably the answer, just like every other major member of the media. Why? Because Ukraine has been as successful in selling this Pied Piper myth in the United States as Azerbaijan has. Yet what Azerbaijan just did in Nagorno-Karabakh over the same region, dating back to even September of this year, pin drop silence. So if you're going to apply that standard, you would be applying it far more broadly.
7: But applying your standard as President of the United States... My my standard
9: is stay out of all. Because if you're in Ukraine for that reason, the United States would be in... 10 other conflicts right now. Mm. And so you're selectively applying it, if I may say, not even to the best example you could make, because Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy. You know know Churchill's
7: quote about crocodiles and appeasers, right?
9: Well, that's applied selectively, analogizing some element of history as opposed to analyzing what the individual situation is. And so where is Azerbaijan-Armenia? Why is that not part of the conversation? Just because the media has decided that that isn't what we're going to pay attention to, because it's not what the cool kids are talking about, likely because it's Christians at stake. Let's be honest Mm. about that. So this is a country in Ukraine that's gone after the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. This is a country that has banned 11 opposition parties. This is a country where the regions of Russia that have been occupied, several of those provinces, Luhansk and Donetsk in particular, not even represented in the Ukrainian parliament. So the idea that this is some battle of good versus evil is a farce. And even if you're going to pick good versus evil, there's a lot other better examples to pick and I'm principled to say that we should not be making those moral judgments for other people when my moral obligation is to the people of actually, the United been, States you, of America. But
7: you have just made a moral judgment. You've actually said to an evil dictator, you can come and grab that land and keep it. No, that's that moral, presumes that it was our job. a moral, jo- that's it a moral presumes, judgment?
9: It presumes that it was our job to be able to say yes or no in the first place. That is not the job of the United States of America. The job of the United States of actually, America is. is to well, be strong and look after its own it citizens. It used to be. We have a different view. It used to be. Maybe from an out, you know, maybe you from know, looking from an outsider's perspective.
8: So we see there this brazen example of the United States being selective in terms of which crisis it's interested in taking a position on, promoting, pushing, or getting involved with. And so then the question becomes why is it that we are interested in helping Israel in this conflict between Israel? And the Palestinians? Why is it that we insist upon sending aid, that we insist upon moving aircraft carriers? Why is it that China and Russia and everybody else has an opinion? Why is it that the international military landscape is shifting around this conflict, which seems on the surface to be a dispute over property? And we'll hear from the narrative that this is about anti-Semitism. We'll hear from the narrative that this is about racism and who has a right to the land and Judeo-Christian values and an ally in the region and protecting democracy and the only democracy in the region. We'll hear that that is the narrative. But the fact of the matter is, as I said yesterday, the United States government does not care either about the Jews or the Muslims. It doesn't care about Judeo-Christian values, which we can obviously see by the actions of our government, which is an entity that operates without a conscience, because after all, no organization itself has a conscience. Only individuals can have a conscience. So there must be some other reason that we're interested in this conflict, and I think the clue is the IMEC corridor being announced by Bibi Netanyahu at the UN on September 10th, just weeks before this attack from Hamas happened on Israel. Because this corridor is set up to be a competitive corridor to China's Belt and Road Initiative, an initiative China espoused as a way to subvert the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency by garnering a dependence on the corridor, on the route, among the international community so that it can leverage access to the trade route, to the corridor, in order to bully the international community into doing what it wants, similar to how the United States has bowled the interna- international community to do what it wants through sanctions being the global reserve currency that we are. And so in order to protect the United States as the global reserve currency, we have to have this competitive channel, this competitive corridor in the region. Otherwise, China will be able to subvert us and replace it with the yen. And then all of a sudden, the 21st century is led by the superpower China and everyone else responding and reacting to China instead of the 20th century, which was led by the United States and everybody else responding and reacting to the United States. This is something that is untenable in the eyes of our intelligence community. This is something that the CIA, the FBI do not want to happen. They cannot allow it to happen because if China subverts the United States position as the global reserve currency, the dominant force in the international community in terms of how trade is done, then we can't sanction anyone. Then our dollar value plummets. Then unemployment goes through the roof. Then hyperinflation goes through the roof. We in we end up in a conflict like World War III, but without the economic or militaristic power to win, like the other two that we won, it's really, really dangerous. And they're freaking out about it, and that's why they're allowing this travesty to happen. That's why they're allowing Israel to just totally eradicate Gaza, because they know that unless Israel is stabilized, key partners like Saudi Arabia will not sign on to this new corridor. How is it that we can get any other international entity to agree to invest in this corridor, to trade on this corridor, if every other day Haifa, the port in Israel that's part of this corridor, is getting bombed by radicals from the West Bank or from Gaza? And so our intelligence community is saying, look, it's okay with us if tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people die in Gaza, as long as we annex it, as long as we occupy it, and as long as we stabilize it so that we can get this corridor in place so that we ensure that China doesn't have global reserve currency status. And this all needs to happen before a total collapse of our fractional reserve banking system, before a total collapse of our monetary system, so that we have time to define the Great Reset. The United States wants to work with these globalist entities to define how we're going to replace this fiat dollar because they know that it's not sustainable and they have to replace it with this digital currency, but they want to be the ones dictating the terms of this replacement, not China. They don't want to allow China to determine how the currency operates over the next hundred years. Stick with us, folks. More on the other side.
7: The satanic new world order is betting against humanity. They're betting on our weakness. They believe they can destabilize civilization and bring us down into the ashes of history. But the trap they've laid for us will be their destruction, not ours. If we trust in God, and if we are valiant and have courage to speak the truth and not comply and engage in civil disobedience and not join the masses, who have decided that they are the scum of the earth, who have decided that they will join with this soulless corporate system. As for InfoWars, we are going to steadfastly continue to fight in the information war with our weapon, the truth, against the enemies of humanity. And we put our faith, and we put our trust, and we put our destiny in the hands of God. Because it's been said a trillion times, if God be with us, who can be against us?